You know, today is the, um, the last Sunday that we'll be talking about the things that we wish Jesus never said. And um, it's been fun. It's been fun for me. God's really used this um, in my life just to get me um, just closer to him and more where he wants me to be as, as, um, as just a man of God. And so, you know, this morning, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to, Matthew, turn to Mark. We're going to be all over the gospel. So I'm just warning you right now. We're going to be in Mark 8. We're going to be in Luke 12, Mark 8, Luke 12, John 14, and Matthew 7. I told you we're going to hit all of them this morning. You know, today um, when we talk about what we're talking about, the things we wish Jesus never said, and uh, if I don't throw myself down up here, um, today is um, there's one way, and there's just one way. You know, and I was watching on TV the other night and was sitting there and and just, I don't know, sometimes I wish I could just turn my mind off. And something happened on a TV show, and I said, wow, that fits perfect with this. And so I'm taking notes in my phone, mental note to put that with today. And what happened on that TV show was the school, they was in class, and the school teacher challenged them. He said, can this one hour make a difference in, in somebody's life? And he paired the students with students that they typically wouldn't be friends with or hang with or talk with. And he mixed them all up, and he sent them out and said, look, just go find some place to sit. And he gave them specific questions. And over the course of that hour, it brought people that didn't even know each other to become friends. You know, and as I was thinking about that and just looking at today, that there's only one way. Can one hour make a difference? Absolutely. Can one day make a difference? Absolutely. But we have to be ready, and we have to be willing. We have to be willing to invest. You know, what if we took one hour and somebody that's here today, this one hour for you in particular in worship might be the hour that changes your life. Or it might have been the hour that you just come out of at Sunday school. Or it might be an hour that we spend around a dinner table or around uh, in your living room or your den just hanging out or at a ball field or something. And, you know, I'm going I'm to give a, just a couple of things that's just this week that's happened. You know, Mike, I'm going to steal a little bit of his thunder. But a couple of weeks ago... Um, we was here, and a truck pulls up, and it's a kind of a, a loud truck, you know, and Mike gets up, and look, and it's somebody getting something out of the Coke machine. So he strikes up the conversation with them, and they know each other through acquaintances. So over the next 45 minutes, Mike brings him in his office and shares his heart. You know, young guy leaves. He comes to buy a Coke. You hear what I'm telling you? A Coke. This week he comes back looking for Mike. Mike brings him back in his office. And over the next course of the next 30, 45 minutes, he has a chance to lead him to the Lord, you know, over a Coke machine. You hear that? How easy was that? Yesterday, I've been trying to get my dogs um, back in shape to start running some tests with them and um, work on some more ribbons to um, put around my house. And um, so, y'all like that, huh? So... I, we, I've been working them this week, and when I get a few minutes and stuff, well, yesterday I was sitting around the house, and you can ask, I, I, I can only sit so long, and then I get bored, and I said, I'm going to go to church and work my dogs. And so I run to Johnny's. My truck can't stop here. And, you know, I can't even make it turn in here first. I have to go to Johnny's first, and I run in Johnny's and got me a diet coat, come back out, and this young guy says, what, what's that sticker on the back of your truck? What's obedience to death mean? And I said, all right. So you ask. So I started sharing with him. And I said, you know something? I said, I'm about to run across the street over there to that church and, um, and work my dogs. Won't you come watch? And yeah, yeah, I want to. I want to. Well, people all the time say that and they never show up. 
But anyway, he followed me. He come over, and so I get my dogs out. And so I use that opportunity every time I run that dog, every time I did something, I related it right back to Scripture. Everything I did, I brought right back to the Bible. And so after about um, 30, 45 minutes, we're talking. He said, that, this church don't mind you working your dogs up here? That, that preacher don't care? <laughs> and I said, nah, he really, he, he's a good old guy. He really don't care. <laughs> And we kept talking, and, and he said, he said something else. I said, I, I have to confess. I said, I'm the pastor. And he done this. <laughs> really? <laughs> See, because I had on my jeans that I've been pressure washing in, so they had kind of holes in them like some of y'all have on this morning. Y'all paid a lot of money for. <laughs> Mine was just wore out Levi's with bleach stains. My pants was tucked in my boots so they wouldn't get wet in the grass out there. So anyway, we talked. And, and then he finally said, you know something? I, I just, I can't believe that God. I just can't believe what you're saying. And I said, you know something? I said, it's more to it. I said, you have to have faith and you have to have belief and it has to all come together. And I was on about halfway the sidewalk, the far sidewalk, about halfway that sidewalk standing on it. And that's where I'd been working my dogs off of. I love them sidewalks. They're perfect for me to stand on and I have standing mud. And so I'd put some bumpers on the far side of the pond. And Miss Kim Albin guessed it pretty close. I called him out of Sunday school, and she was the closest out of all the men. And so about 130 yards, we figure, across that distance. And so I said, look, I said, do you think I can make my dog run straight, swim through that pond, and get that bumper? No. I said, he's going to do it because he trusts me, and he believes in me, and he has faith in me. Well, I know I could make Glory do it backwards if I wanted to. But I got Zach out because he's a little bit more fiery. So I got him, and I got him beside my leg and because he don't see where I'm sending him. And so the story has a point I'm getting, I promise. So I sent him. Well, he was running straight at the pond. And about 25 feet before the pond, I whistled him and made him stop, and he turned around and looked, and I said, now watch this, watch him close. And usually I'd put my hand up like this or like this, but depending on if I want him to spin right or left, and holler back. Well, this time I said, you know what? I'm not going to even say a word. I'm just going to use my hand. And I said, God, this is all you. And so I did it like that real fast and quick and high. And he spun. And he hit that water and swam straight across that pond. Without a and I'm thinking, why am I not videoing this to show my training buddy? <laughs> he nailed this thing. He swam to the far corner, picked up the orange bump, because orange, they don't see orange. It was an orange bumper, so it wasn't like he could see a white one laying there swam back, come back to me, and I said, that dog had to believe in me. He had to have faith in me, and he had to trust me, and he got what he was going after. And that boy stood there for a few more minutes, and he said, man, I want to. And I said, hold my dyke coat. <laughs> Went and got my Bible, and I started showing him. Right after in that parking lot, he prayed and accepted Christ. So this week, I'm not telling y'all that pat me and Mike on the back or try to get a raise or nothing. What I'm telling y'all that far this morning is you have to be willing because God says there's only one way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you want to witness somebody, come hang out in the parking lot. Apparently there's lots of people up here. If not, we'll get you scraping gravel with a rake or something out there. But, you know, we have to be ready and we have to be willing. And so this morning, I'm excited about this one because, you know, whenever we start talking, go to Mark. We're going to start in Mark chapter 8 because... Um, you know, I tell people all the time, 
when I was in engineering, I had this conversation with Frank this week. When I was in engineering, we never designed a drawing where people had to add up over two dimensions. We made them, and some of y'all that's been in engineering will understand what I'm saying, we made immediate proof. That way nobody had to think. They just had to read the numbers. Well, I believe that God's Word makes it idiot proof for people like Johnny Morgan because it's so crystal clear and it's so black and white, you can't help but understand it and believe in it. And so in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 is where we're going to start. And it says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Do you hear that? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And you know, that's where I want to launch from this morning, because Jesus was the most amazing communicator. Because when he sat down with a group of people, if he was with fishermen, he talked fisherman language. If he was with um, farmers, he talked farming language. You know, he talked to where they was at, but he made it to where they could understand it. You know, and so right here, you know, these people are following him and he's telling them, he says, look, you can do all these things, but if you don't, not following me. You know, we talked about that last week, follow me. And it says... What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Because what I'm telling you this morning, there's millions of people that are chasing the wrong things. There are millions of people that are chasing the world and they're not chasing God. And they've completely left him out of the picture. And so this morning, that's where I want to start because that's where we have to start. Because if we're not doing it for God, then we're not doing it. And so I'm turning your Bibles over with me to Luke. We're going to go to chapter Luke. I told you we're going to be all over the Gospels this morning. Go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And it says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get you what you have been, who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but does not store up, store, but is not rich toward God. So when you hear those words, you're thinking, boy, that's kind of um, harsh, isn't it? But again, he's being so clear. He's telling us, you have to live for me. If you're doing this for other things and you're not doing it right. You know, and so when you hear these words and you start thinking about it, but here's what I want to tell you. What if the doctor walked in today and said, you have 24 hours left to live? What would you change? What if the doctor walked in and said, you've got an hour left to live? What would you change about your life? Well, this morning, what I want you to hear is you don't know that. None of us knows that. None of us is guaranteed. It wasn't wrote on our birth certificate. There's no end date. There's no expiration. We don't know when we're going to go and when we're going to be here. And so what I'm telling you this morning is we need to live it all out straight out for God. We need to be chasing him hard because we hear these words like this and it says, you know, your life's being demanded from you. What are you going to do with all this whenever you're gone? Nothing. Nothing. And so you have to chase after me. And so when you start reading these words and you start looking about it, you know, this man, I wrote down these things. You know, I put he thought of gold, but instead he should have been thinking of God. He thought of pleasure instead of people. 
He thought of ease instead of eternity. See, because he thought he had the rest of his life, and he didn't know his life was ending that night. Just like us. How many of us, we wake up in the mornings, you know, none of us wake up and say, today's the day. Today he's calling me home. But what we ought to be doing is waking up and saying, you know, today's the day. Because I don't know whose paths I'm going to intersect. I don't know whose path I'm going to cross at Johnny's Grocery. I don't know whose path I'm going to cross at the Coke machine behind the building. I don't know whose path that I'm going to cross in my home or in my job or in my hobbies. So we ought to be living it. And we ought to be chasing after him. Because, you know, whenever you read these words, it just gets more and more clear to me. Turn over to, um, to Matthew. Go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. We're going to start in verse 21. You know, these verses scare me to death. I'll be honest. They scare me. Because when you hear these words, I think there's a lot of people sitting in churches today that's going to be shocked whenever Jesus says these words to them. In verse 21 it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, there's people today that I'm convinced that are sitting in this room today, and I hope not, but I believe there is, that one day we're going to stand before God, and he's going to say, I don't know you. And some of us are going to say, well, I was in Sunday school 59% of the time. I was in Sunday school 88% of the time. I wrote a check every week. I served on this committee. I come help put sidewalks in. I come help put parking lot in. You know, I served at the Easter outreach on April 13th that's coming up. I did, I did, I did this. And he's going to say, but you never knew me. You never knew me. That scares me. And that's what drives my passion for wanting to tell people about Christ because I believe there's a lot of us. We get it all mixed up. Turn with me to John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, do you hear those words? Black and white. Unless you're in my Bible, it's red and white. Crystal clear. Do you hear them? Crystal clear. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling us, you're not going to get to my Father by writing a check. You're not going to get to my Father by doing missions. You're not going to get to my Father by showing up to church on Sundays. You're not going to get to my Father by raising a good family. You're only going to get to the Father through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know, he makes it. When you hear it, you think, boy, that's simple. But why is it so hard to get, to get a grasp of? Because whenever we sing songs like we sang a minute ago, you know, about our heart, you know, we talk about God, we, we want to give you our whole heart 
But do we really, do we really give God our whole heart or do we hold on to part of it? We say, God, I'll give you my whole heart, but you know what? I'm going to give you 90% of it and I'm going to hold on to 10% for my family. Or I'm going to hold on to 15% for my job. But that's not what he wants. He wants us to take our whole heart and give it to him. You know, this word, you know, you're going to hear me say it and say it and say it from the beginning to end, from cover to cover. This is truth. There's no lies in here. There's nothing left out of here. He left this for us. And whenever I read these words and it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when we read words like he says, people are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to look at them and say, I don't know them. That ought to scare us to death. And that ought to either, one, bring us to our knees to him, or two, it ought to make us chase him so hard that people have to get sucked in behind us in the draft and follow. And so I believe, you know, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, that if it come down to it, and if you knew that you only had a day to live, what would you do different? You know, how would you live? You know, I think some of us, the first thing we'd want to do is we'd want to check our salvation. We'd want to make sure that we're really believers. You know, because um. I'm going to say three things, but I'm going to read it to you three different ways. But it's the same. The beginnings are the same. Man is lost. Whenever I read this word, man is lost. He can't find his way. Man is blind. He can't see the truth about God. Man is dead. He can't experience or feel the life of God. But when you hear the words, like I mentioned a minute ago in John 14, 6, where it says, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That changes everything. Because then his man is lost, but Jesus is the way. Man is blind, but Jesus is the truth that he needs to see. Man is dead. Jesus is the life. So whenever you start looking at that, you know, you want to make sure of your salvation how do you know it? You read this, and you pray, and you ask him to forgive you, and you tell him that you know that he sent his son to die on the cross for you, and you start living an obedient life. And so a lot of us, that's where we're going to want to start. And then some of us, we're going to want to just make sure that we're right with God. I fail every day. You know, I sin. I'm a sinner. I fail every day. I have to make sure things are right with God. I have to ask him, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive what I did today. God, forgive these thoughts I had today. God, forgive me how I treated this person. So I have to make sure things are right with God. So we want to, first, we want to check our salvation. Second, we want to um, make sure things are right with God. But I think the third one is what I hope, that then you want to take as many people with you as you can. Now, I'm not talking about literally killing them, because some of y'all just immediately made a list in your head didn't you? But we need to tell as many as we can about this. We need to live this. We need to tell people this. You know, people are, you're going, some of you are looking at me right now thinking, I'm not a missionary. Yes, you are. If you've said, yes, God, you're a missionary. Some of you are looking at me and say, you're not a preacher. Yes, you are. If you said, yes, God. Because you're going to have a circle of influence that I don't have. There's going to be people in your family that you're going to be able to touch that I can't touch. There's going to be people in your group of friends that you're going to be able to live. And then if we get real honest, within your family, within your friends, if that doctor walked in and said, you've only got 24 hours to live, 
how many of our friends are going to look at us and say, wow, you changed? Or how many of, us, how many of them are going to just see us a little bit more aggressive about our faith? And so, you know, we want to we tell people, you know, because I'm just being honest and, and you, you know my heart. You know, if the doctor told me that, I'm going to spend the first little bit with my family, but I would hope that they know that I love them and I would hope that they know that they've seen God in me. And then the next thing I'm doing, I'm going to drive in the middle of Highway 16 right there at the crossroads in front of the Methodist Church and I'm going to sling my truck sideways and cause a spectacle and get people to stop and I'm going to stand on my tailgate and tell them about God. Because it's that important to me. Because when you hear these words, you know, whenever I read them, you know, I take them to heart. When it says, I'm the way, the truth, life, no one comes to the Father except through me, I take that face value. That means I need to be telling everybody about God. Whenever I'm standing out there and some of y'all thinking, why do you tell your dog stories? Because them dogs are telling people about Jesus. I left my house yesterday. I'm, can I just be honest for a minute? I left my house yesterday just to come up here and relax. I didn't get in my truck and load them dogs and say, God, send me somebody to tell about Jesus today. I was selfish. Got in my truck and said, God, I just want to go stand on that sidewalk, run these dogs, and not think about nothing but a dog for the next hour. But God had a different plan for me. How many of us are living obedient? How many of us are chasing after God? You know, there's some... You know, I mentioned it a second ago. There's some of us sitting in here, and we've been playing church. You know, we check off our envelope, or we check that little mental block. Showed up to church today, check. Went to Sunday school, check. Wrote a tithe, check. Read my Bible one out of seven days, check. And we think we're good. But we've never asked him to become the Lord of our life. That's what matters. There's some of us sitting in here today that got sprinkled or got dunked before we accepted Christ. And today we're sitting in here and now you're going to know that you need to be obedient. You need to get back in those waters and tell the world, I'm a different person. I'm a different person. And get buried in death with him in that water so that the world knows you're different. We have to be willing to do it. You know, we have to be willing. Whenever I read this, and as I study, it gets me excited. It gets me excited. But then it scares me at the same time. You know, April 13th, we've got a prime opportunity. A prime opportunity. There's going to be Hundreds and thousands of kids that's going to come see eggs hopefully get dropped out of a helicopter. And we need to be standing there loving on them and letting them see something different. There's going to be parents that are going to be there that need to know that we're not just playing the game, that we mean what we say. There's going to be people in your job place tomorrow morning that need to see Jesus. There's going to be people sitting at your dinner table in the next hour that need to see Jesus. What are they going to see? How are they going to see it? How are you going to live it? So when we start talking about the things that we wish Jesus never said, 
Whenever he said, I'm the way, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Do you believe him? Are you willing to chase after him?